One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 15. I'm going to come out and say something that most people might find odd. I love marketing. Before jumping in and becoming a small business owner, I had an eight-year career in marketing. And over the last couple of years, I've started to realize what a gift that is to have marketing in my background. Because marketing is something that really stops people in their tracks. They feel slimy or like the proverbial used car salesman when they promote their products. In episode four, I provided an intro to marketing. And if the world of marketing is new to you, I would recommend that you start there. One of the key points I tried to convey in that episode was this piece of advice. View your marketing as simply communication. Through marketing, we build a relationship with our audience and tell them what it is we have to offer so they can decide if it's something they want or need. But we're not forcing anyone to do anything. We're just communicating how we can help. We do this communication in a lot of ways, from what our logo looks like to the referrals our customers provide for us, to the layout of our website and transaction process to our customer service. We are always communicating something about our business, and it's up to us to determine what that is. Episode four covered the many different components of the small business marketing landscape, and today we're focusing on just one of them, email marketing. Email marketing may not sound that exciting, but it is one of the most important tools in your marketing toolbox, if not the most important tool. There are tons of studies that show the effectiveness of email marketing. I'll link in the show notes to a great compilation from HubSpot. A study recently shows that for every $1 spent on email marketing, $38 were generated. Statistics also show that your reach is four times better on email than on social media, meaning if you have the same size audience in both places, you'll reach four times more people with your email. And yet, I bet you spend a lot more time on social media than you do on your email marketing. I'm not saying social media isn't important. It is. But I hope this comparison will just encourage you to spend a little more time on your email strategy. It really is powerful. Email marketing is a massive topic that I expect to do many more episodes on, but in this introductory episode, we will go over first an overview of email marketing. So my email marketing philosophy, how to get people to sign up for your email list and making an email marketing plan. And then the bulk of this episode will be focused on how to write a good email. 
I've put together a worksheet slash checklist that will help you make sure each of your emails is as effective as possible. If you want to download that, head over to makinggoodpodcast.com slash email 101. And I'll have that linked in the show notes. In our email marketing, as in all of our marketing, I believe the best strategy is to provide value almost all of the time and occasionally ask for a sale. What does this mean? It means that 80% or more of your emails should be interesting and useful and not centered on asking your audience to buy something. They should help them get to know you, give them tips or ideas or inspiration, or just generally find a way to make their lives better, easier, or more entertaining. Then, the other 20% of the time, when you've proven that you're not only there to ask for their money, you can tell them more about your product or service and invite them to make a purchase. Some examples to illustrate what I mean by providing value. Let's start by service-based businesses. If you sell graphic design services, you could send an email telling people how to combine fonts effectively. If you're a life coach, you could provide your tips for having difficult conversations. If you're a home organization expert, you could put together a list of your favorite products that help keep a home organized. I think this can be harder to think about for product-based businesses, but here are some ways you could be adding value if you do sell products. If you sell greeting cards like me, you could send an email that helps people create a schedule for writing letters to their friends regularly. If you sell facial products, you could write an email or a series of emails that explains how to build a skincare regimen. If you sell candles, you could put together an email explaining how to prolong the life of your candles. If you sell art, you could include in your email a link to a Pinterest board with some of your favorite ways to display art. Overall, I want to anchor this conversation by encouraging you to approach your email marketing by asking, how can I add value to my audience, rather than, how can I get them to buy my stuff? This is just better business. The more value you offer, the more people will sign up to be on your email list, and the more often they will open your emails, so that when you do finally have something to sell, they'll be more likely to see it. So first, a couple of quick comments up front. Before you start with your email marketing, you're going to want to set up an account with an email marketing software or an email marketing service provider. When we talk about email marketing, we're referring to emails sent by businesses or organizations out to a lot of people at one time, but not through CC or BCC. These aren't emails that we send from your Google account or Outlook. They are sent from an email marketing service. If you are brand, brand new, I would suggest you start with MailChimp, which is free up until a certain number of subscribers. I have a premium version of MailChimp that I use for all three of my lists, and I am happy with it. If you're looking for more functionality and design options, I would recommend ConvertKit or Flowdesk. So again, those were MailChimp, ConvertKit, or Flowdesk, and I will link them all in the show notes. The second thing I want to say is that there are a lot of rules and regulations about email marketing, and I would encourage you to look up what those rules are in your country. But the basic premise is we should only email people who have given us their email addresses for the purpose of receiving email marketing from us. This means that it's not okay to add people to your email list without their consent. Let's start with the first piece of the email marketing puzzle, and that is, how do we get people to voluntarily sign up to be on our email marketing list? Let me ask you a question. 
How often have you been on a website and seen a little sign up form at the bottom or on the side that says sign up for our newsletter? And another question, how many times have you filled out that form because you want to receive someone's newsletter? I'm going to guess the answer is not very often. I understand the desire to grow the size of your email list because the more people we have on our list, the more people we can reach with our marketing strategy. But people get so much email these days, they are understandably reticent to give one more company access to their inbox. So we have to make sure we have something to offer them in exchange, something that they want enough to give us their email. In marketing terms, we call this a lead magnet, something valuable that we trade someone in exchange for their email address and permission to add them to our list. One of the most common lead magnets is a discount or coupon code. This works especially well for product-based businesses. If someone is visiting your website, we know that they might be interested in what you sell. So why not insert a pop-up on your site that says, hey, I'll give you a 15% off discount code if you pop in your email below. I would bet that you've done this before for some of your favorite brands, and it's a great tool for product-based businesses. But in addition to coupon codes and discounts, there are a lot of other types of lead magnets that you can trade for an email address. Here are some ideas to get you started. An ebook, an audio file, like a private podcast or guided meditation, a video training, a tutorial, a workbook, a cheat sheet, a worksheet or checklist. And I actually have a checklist that goes with this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash email 101 if you want to see how I'm using these. So once you have your lead magnet created, you set up what's called an opt-in form on your website or as a standalone website. Most email service providers help you create something called a landing page, which is just a super simple website that asks for someone's name and email address. And once they submit that through the form, your email marketing service will automatically send them an email that includes the resource you promised. Lead magnets, opt-ins, landing pages welcome sequences. These are all things that are a little bit out of the scope of this particular podcast episode. So if those sound like things you'd like to learn more about, let me know. And I'd love to put together an episode on those. So now that we've talked about how to get people to sign up for our email lists, what's next? Well, we need to make a plan for emailing them. I would recommend that you first have a welcome email, like I mentioned, or a welcome sequence, where when people have joined your list, they start to receive an email every day or so, warming them up to being part of your list. You can set this up to be triggered automatically when someone's subscribed to your list. Then you need to decide how often you will send your regular emails out. Once a week, once a month, every other day. The most important thing here is to pick a schedule you can stick to consistently. What we don't want to do is have someone sign up for our list, get our welcome email, and then not hear anything from us until months later when we have something we want them to buy. Plan to consistently provide valuable content to your email list, whatever that schedule or frequency looks like for you. And then put together an email marketing calendar. If you send emails out every Tuesday, look at your calendar for the next few months and roughly plan out what will you include in your email for each Tuesday. Extra credit if you get your emails all put together in advance and schedule them for the future so you don't have to worry about it. Okay, now let's talk about my favorite part of email marketing, and that is how to write your emails. 
I like to write my emails in a blank Google Doc before I copy them into the email marketing tool, in my case, MailChimp. Hopefully you've got your handy email marketing calendar and you know generally what this email is going to be about. And hopefully this is focused on providing something valuable or useful or entertaining to your reader. One big note here, I'm talking today about the text of your email, what it says, not the design, the images, graphics, layout, etc. That will be a conversation for another day, but my number one piece of advice is just to not overcomplicate the design. You want them to read what you have to say. There's a lot to be said for white space and dark readable text. So here are some of my best pieces of advice when it comes to writing effective emails. If you want the checklist that will help you make sure you're taking advantage of these tips, head over to makinggoodpodcast.com slash email 101. For those of you who get stuck and can't find the words, I have a trick for you. One helpful way for me to start getting words out onto the page is to answer the following questions, like write out the answers to these questions. First, what do I want my reader to know? Second, what do I want my reader to feel? And third, what do I want my reader to do? This model of communication is called no, feel, do, very creative, and I find it very helpful in starting to articulate what I want to say. My second piece of advice is to write to one person. I would recommend that you have someone specific in mind as you write. Think of someone who is an ideal customer for you. Maybe you know a specific person, or maybe you come up with an image of the person yourself. But write your email to that person. My next tip is to write like a human. Making a human connection with your reader is so important. So write from your heart and speak authentically. If you read it out loud and it doesn't sound like you, it's time to make some edits. If you were to call your best friend and start reading this piece of writing out loud to them, would they say that it sounds like you? If not, we've got some changes to make. My next suggestion is to break up your text visually. Your reader didn't sign up to read a novel. We need to make sure our emails are super digestible and flow easily. This doesn't mean your email has to be short, not at all, but it does mean that there should be no long paragraphs. There are a lot of ways to break up your text visually. Don't be afraid to start a new paragraph if it will create some white space. You can use bullet points, use headers to separate different sections, consider different text effects like bolding, italicizing, larger headers, Anything that breaks things up will help the email flow. Next up is very important. Write a good subject line. Subject lines matter a lot. If the subject of your email isn't interesting enough to get your audience to open the email, all of the work you put into writing the email itself is wasted. I have a couple tips for writing a good subject line. First, be specific. Instead of a subject line like marketing tips, write how to write emails your audience can't wait to open. My second one is a little frivolous, but use emojis. I can't explain why they work, but they do. Just don't put too many in. One or two is enough. And my third tip here is that your subject line should intrigue the reader and make them want to learn more. I get a lot of emails with subject lines like August newsletter or invitation to our webinar or take our survey. They're all super boring subject lines that don't make me interested and don't hint that there's any value in it for me. 
my next tip is to check it carefully for errors. Your email marketing tool will have a function where it can send you a test version of your email. Do not skip this step. Send yourself a test email and check carefully for the following things. First, read it thoroughly out loud. Look for typos and clarity. Make sure that any dates you have listed are correct. Look at names and double check spelling. And most importantly, click every single link to make sure it goes where you said it would go. It's really easy to make a mistake here. And I can't tell you how often when I'm checking through my emails, I find a mistake that I need to fix. Finally, when you're happy with your email, get it scheduled. There are lots of articles about the best time to send emails, but this is something that I think really varies by who your audience is. I tend to send my emails in the morning or daytime on weekdays, usually Monday through Wednesday. I would recommend playing around with different times of day and different days of the week and seeing what performs best, which leads us to checking the performance of your emails. After at least 48 hours go by, it's time to complete one of the most important parts of the process, and that is to evaluate the performance of your email. So what do I mean by performance? Well, your email tool will measure things like what percentage of your audience opened your email? What percentage of your audience clicked a link? Which links did they click? How many people unsubscribed? Did you get any responses to your email? What were they? And is there anything else you can notice about how this email performed? Looking closely at these numbers can help you learn things about your audience and what they want to receive from you. For example, if your open rate is higher than usual, but you sent it at the same time and the same day that you usually do, that might suggest that your subject line was really good. If you got a higher number of clicks than usual, what was that link? This might suggest that this is something your audience is especially interested in. This is an art and a science, and looking at the numbers of each email will help you make the small tweaks here and there that will help you continue to be more and more effective. Here's the number one thing I hope you will take away from this conversation. People will sign up and stay on your list if you provide them with value. Don't just sell all the time. Think about what would really help your ideal customer and provide it to them freely. So there you have it. Email marketing 101. Question for you. What do you think about these marketing focused episodes? When it comes to marketing, what topics have you scratching your head and staring at a blank page? I would love your feedback as I go about scheduling more content for the podcast. Let me know on Instagram by messaging me over at making good podcast. As always, you can find details about each episode on our website. Head over to makinggoodpodcast.com slash 15. And again, if you're interested in downloading that email marketing checklist, head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash email 101. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave a rating and review. For those of you who this is your first time tuning in and you're interested in hearing more about me or my businesses, check out my plant-inspired stationery company, Good Sheila, at goodsheila.com, G-O-O-D-S-H-E-I-L-A.com, or my Seattle retail shop, Station 7, at station7seattle.com. Thank you so much for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.